of a choice. I can fight this or I can embrace it and enjoy it and make the most out of it. And part of that is joking about it and commiserating with friends, but really owning it. I just want to encourage all women in this stage that God redeems the years the locusts have eaten. And Joel chapter 225 has been my encouragement in those seasons when you don't see hope in front of you. Welcome to the Midlife Moms Podcast, where you'll find encouragement, tips, and resources to help you thrive in the midlife. Join us on Instagram at Midlife Moms Podcast and our Facebook group at Midlife Moms Community. Welcome to the Midlife Moms Podcast. My name is Amelia Rhodes. I'm your co-host and joining me today is my friend, fellow author and co-host, Brenda Yoder. Good morning, Brenda. Welcome. Good morning, Amelia. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you've joined us. We have a fun episode today, a topic that you may not think is fun, but we promise aging. And I'm kind of like aging, who me? And that's kind of the point I had to come to in my early forties of admitting, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not 20 anymore. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I did the same thing too. I really pushed against it for a long time. Uh, I think I'd push that the age wasn't so bad. It's just all the things that come with it. Laughing matters. And it's important to laugh even as we are aging. So Brenda, let me ask you what's making you laugh these days. Well, let me ask you first, because I think they actually tie together. So you tell me your laughter first. Okay. So as we record this, it's early spring and we are experiencing sunshine. I'm hearing birds chirping, but I live in Michigan. And so spring doesn't really mean much here. We kind of jump from winter to summer and we've got piles of snow that we're taking bets on how long it will take for them to melt. And it probably will be June. So I follow a couple of comedians on Instagram who make me laugh and they are both from the Midwest. They're from Wisconsin, but the humor really translates Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, this kind of Northern hard way of life. And what I love about them is they just kind of mock how, how we have to live here to survive. And so a recent episode that they did was on a winter workout routine. And the one guy was working the other guy out for all the things you have to do to just survive winter, you know, pushing your car out of the snow. You can't get your snowblower to start You're ice fishing. You caught a sturgeon. You're not allowed to catch a sturgeon. You have to get it back into the water. And so at one point, the one guy is on the floor of the gym, just completely exhausted. He's like, are we done yet? Like, how long does this workout last? And the punchline they end with is, no, you're not done. It lasts till mid-April, probably May, sometimes June. And I was like, yes, you have to laugh about the way we have to live here in the North. So that just gave me a good chuckle. I think I watched it five times. Which is fabulous because I just live a little bit farther south um, from you over the border in northern Indiana. So we have a lot of snow also, but you guys have it just that much more than we do. But um, my funny thing this weekend was we actually did have about 45 degree weather on Sunday and the sun was out. And my husband is a Harley rider and he just got his motorcycle back from being fixed over the winter. And we were going out to eat and he was like, man, it'd be nice to ride. And I was just desperate to like get outside and be in the sun. And, and I said, I'll ride with you. So we rode our motorcycle, um, up to, to go out to eat. And we, it was just funny. Cause we actually passed people who were ice fishing, you know, on one of the local lakes and, uh, everyone on social media was like, you were crazy, but I was desperate. 
I love it. The desperation to get out, feel some freedom, have some sunshine, feel some warmth. So, you know, we're desperate here in Michigan when we go to Indiana because it's that much warmer there. Right. So, <laughs> it's great. So you have to laugh about it because, you know, I do confess that as I get older, the cold gets harder and harder. It's one of those things I've noticed about aging, the lack of sunshine and the cold weathers is not as easy to take. And that was one of my first signs of oh, wow, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't enjoy winter like I did. So that kind of really transitions to our topic of aging matters. And in episode one, Brenda, we really encouraged our listeners to embrace midlife, to own it, and to recognize that aging is a gift. And we know that that's easier said than done because we've lived it, we've gone through it, are going through it. And especially in a culture that doesn't embrace or necessarily value aging. And so today we just want to offer some encouragement. How would you kick this off for our listeners to encourage them to continue to face this and embrace it and enjoy it even? Yeah, I think that when I reached my uh, early 40s, I realized that it was such a time of reflection and I had to get over not being the young one. And that was a significant shift for me. Uh, I taught high school when I was in my thirties. So I was always around youth and, you know, I was able to work out. I ran two miles a day for several years and just, I loved, um, I loved dressing youthful, you know, all of those things. And then you get to perimenopause, you get to your forties and, clothes don't fit the same way they used to. And then there's like a shift of not wanting to be that midlife person who's trying to still look like I'm in my twenties or something like that. So, so that was like a shift for me. And I, I, I came to the point where one time I actually went out and went shopping and bought some clothes that were for my stage of life. And I had to tell myself that I had to say, you know, these are, these are clothes that are, that are for where I'm at because I'm really here. So an encouragement is, I think each one of us has those maybe years that are milestones that we really come to an acceptance, but it's not something that happens overnight. It really is a journey. What about you, Amelia, as you have hit 40 and you now are approaching more your mid forties, what has been helpful for you? It was interesting because I was so excited to turn 40. I, there was something about turning 40 and I got married young. We were actually 20 when we got married. And so for a long time, I felt like I fought to be an adult, to be seen and recognized as an adult in my twenties and even early thirties. So there was something about hitting 40 that was a little bit of like, Oh, not that I hadn't been taken seriously, but I'm like, yes, I'm like truly an adult, a grown up. You know, I remember my parents being 40 and I was just kind of ready for it. But then 41, 42, I started to feel some of the physical things that you had talked about, you know, aching knees and can't eat whatever I want anymore. And my joints hurting, like some of those physical signs. And I had two marker moments with a doctor and an eye doctor that I was like, wow, I'm here. Like, I can't deny it. The doctor had told me at an annual physical, she's like, okay, and you know, they're trying to be all gentle and kind. And she said, you know, women of, of our age, and she lumped herself in there, women of our age just have different needs and you need to eat more cruciferous vegetables. 
And I was like, cruciferous vegetables. She's like, yes, you know, the kale, the broccoli, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, you know, basically all the really stinky vegetables. And she just said for about two years in a row in my annual physicals, she would say, you need to eat about a cup of these a day. It's not that hard, but it really helps with the hormones. And she's just listing off all these things. And so it was this process of just recognizing and accepting that my body has different needs. It became a joke. It still is. My kids were joking about it this week. Are you eating your broccoli mom? (laughs) And the other moment was in the eye doctor's office around the same time I was 41 and fighting it. And the eye doctor said, okay, we're going to have a different conversation this year. I'm going to leave your prescription about the same, but at about this age, and again, they're tiptoeing around it about this age your vision starts to shift and your eyes get tired earlier. And so next year we'll probably have a conversation about, you know, multifocal glasses. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Sure. Denied it, walked out eight months later. So several months before my eye doctor visit, I was like, doggone it. He was right. How did he know? And I couldn't read. And I ended up getting a pair of readers to get me through until my next eye doctor visit. And I walk in and the first thing I say to him is you were right. You were so right. I need bifocals. Mm-hmm. And so it came this process, process of facing it and being told gently and lovingly, thankfully by care providers of you know, this is what you need in this phase. And I think their gentleness encouraged me to accept it. Obviously I'm not alone. This is just a fact of this stage of life and, and owning, I think those two things that my body needs something different. My eyes need something different. I just decided I have a choice. I can fight this or I can embrace it and enjoy it and make the most out of it. And part of that is joking about it and commiserating with friends, but really owning it. Yeah. I've got multifocal glasses and I like them. So that's been part of my process. And we even had a hard time as we were thinking about naming the podcast because we were going back and forth. Like, do we want to name it the midlife mom podcast? Because we know, because we've been there of, we don't want to admit that that's where we are, especially I think in your early forties, um, you know, I'm in my early fifties and it's easier to embrace it because there, I think fifties at mile marker where it's like, I'm half a century. There's no denying it. Like I'm midlife. It's right. midpoint, midpoint here on the life scale. Um, but um, I was, I just really want to affirm, um, I really appreciate your perspective. And that's one thing that I just really want to give our listeners um, some encouragement with is you really wanted to just bring it to the table and say, this is, this is who we are and this is what it is. And part of part of your passion, especially here for the podcast is encouraging women to not be ashamed about where we are and, um, to really encourage one another to say, we should not be ashamed of the numbers of the stage of life. And you were just sharing with me before the podcast, something you just came across recently, really about embracing that stage. Would you want to share that with us? Yeah, I started reading a book called A Resilient Life by a gentleman named Gordon McDonald. He was in his 60s when he wrote the book. And I heard him speak last year at a conference at our church, and he was in his 80s. So he had so much wisdom, so much depth to offer about ministry and life. And a resilient life is really one of his main speaking points. And there was something I read in there 
that just really encouraged me right in the get-go because I needed to hear it. And he was talking about how, you know, we can expect that some of the most significant contributions God has for us to make in the, in his kingdom and in the world can happen after 40. And just that encouragement that it's not over. You have a lot to offer. And I think I had been struggling with that. I'm like, what have I really done with my life up to this point? And even though I've accepted midlife, I do this back and forth of I'm great. I'm owning it. I'm 44. I love it. Of, oh my goodness. Have I wasted half my life? Have I done anything that matters? And to read that just really meant a lot. And here I've seen it in people who are in their eighties and in their nineties and are still giving their all to life, to those around them, to God and his kingdom. And so that just really encouraged me of, yeah, we don't talk about that as a culture and we, we prize youth, but there is so much to offer and you have so much to offer yet. And one thing that encouraged me too, was he said, even for those who've reached, you know, 40 and life hasn't gone the way they wanted it to marriage fell apart. Kids made choices you didn't agree with vocationally. Maybe you're trying to figure out what's next, that it doesn't have to be that way, that we serve a God who takes our life, who redeems it and turns it inside out and uses all of that going forward to build his kingdom. And that just really encouraged me that no matter what you've done or not done or achieved or not achieved, like every day is a new day. Every year is a new year to move forward and see what God has for you in this next season and that it doesn't have to be what it was in the last season. And I, I know that hits some of us and I know that hits our readers who maybe are walking into this and part of the discouragement is you know, life just hasn't been what I wanted it to be. Is this how it's going to be going forward in the decades coming? And the answer is no. And I know Brenda, you have encouragement to offer for women, because that's part of your story too, of life wasn't necessarily what you wanted it to be as you approached 40. And I think you have a lot of encouragement and wisdom to share for women who are in that boat. Would you mind sharing some of your story? No, I'd be glad to do that because um, that's one reason I started writing um, in my early forties. Um, blogging was because I had felt like I'd made a mess of my life. And so um, at 40, I had actually resigned from my teaching career, which um, I loved and still love to this day. Um, but I was very stressed out. We had four kids from high school down to young elementary, and I was not handling life and family well. I gave my best in the classroom and I brought it all there. But just like every other family in midlife, as we've been talking about the last week or so in our own personal conversations, life is exhausting. You're running kids everywhere and your life really isn't your own as a, as a mom. Um, and I was very angry and very reactionary. And so I would hold things together all day with my students, but I would come home to my own teenagers and kids with their own needs and would be very irritable. And there was a lot of conflict. And I think, um, when I was 39, my husband kept on saying, you know, next year will be better. Next year will be better. And I just remember thinking when things actually get better, it's probably when two out of my four kids will be out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I had to face the fact that this was the only life I have. And so at 40, I had to choose what I could change. And that was myself and my own stress levels. And so I left education, went back to graduate school full-time in a three-year program 
to have a career in something that would allow either full-time and flexible or part-time employment, which was not an option in a public school. So um, it was such a pivotal point for me being midlife, feeling like I'd failed. When I left the classroom, I just, I just remember packing up my classroom. I turned off the lights. I felt like I was on an episode of Cheers. You know, I turned out, um, turned out the life and just walked away and just cried. And I yeah. came home yeah. and I, I told my husband, I said, I feel like such a failure because I, I never met, I never met my hopes of myself in the classroom by creating that completely invigorating, very academically challenged, not challenging, but inspiring classroom. And I felt like a failure as a, as a teacher, as a mom, as a woman. And, and yet, so it's that, and yet, and yet, um, in my forties, I've gone on then to do things that I never had imagined at that point. I just thought I was going to go back to graduate school, get a degree in something else, and then live happily ever after with our family. But um, I started writing and that blog turned into um, me being asked to speak. And then it turned into to writing and into books and into um, about two, two additional careers other than being a counselor. So I just want to encourage all women um, in this stage that God redeems the years the locusts have eaten. And Joel chapter 225 has been my encouragement in those seasons when you don't see you know, hope in front of you. Mm -hmm. And for many of us that are still figuring that out, I've loved watching your journey over the past decade as you stepped out of that and into these new things in that every year has been a new year. And you haven't, you've always encouraged me that what you do this year doesn't mean you have to do it for the next five or 10 years, that there is opportunity each year. What is what does this season right now look like? And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a necessarily long season. No, exactly right. Because even this year as we're recording this podcast, I'm doing something different that a year ago, I never would have thought I would be doing, which is I'm back in a public school working part-time as a school counselor. And um, I had left school counseling for about four years and did ministry full-time as a writer and speaker and private therapist and life coach. So um, the other encouragement that I've had, even just is with our own parents, Amelia. So um, I think I've shared with you, my own mom is 85 and she just resigned from being on our town board. And she was town board president last year when she was 84. And um, I've seen my own parents um, never stop, but they also didn't have, they weren't people who really were strivers they just have been active citizens in their own environment. And, you know, that looks different for all of us. Um, what have been some inspirations to you for people who have done more in their, I guess, aging years? I heard Jill Briscoe speak at a conference a few years ago, and she's an author and teacher. I think she's out of Wisconsin, somewhere here up in the North Midwest. And she was so inspiring when she spoke at this conference because she's also in her 80s, I believe. And my mom used to listen to her on the radio and loves her. So I was familiar with her. And she was talking about the weariness of age, the weariness of serving. And she had been praying and asking the Lord, you know, can I be done? Like, can I, can I stop? And she was ready to, she described to set down her cross. And he said, no, you're going to carry the cross all the way home. 
And that line and her resolve that she would carry the cross all the way home and that she knew the Lord would walk with her through whatever it was that he had asked her to do was just so inspiring. And that line has stuck with me. And as I watched her life of faithful service and her teaching, I want to be that. I want, I want to carry whatever cross the Lord has for me to carry all the way home and not retire at 65, just because that's what you do, not stop and just sit on a beach. Although I would love that. Just carry your cross all the way home. And that was so inspiring. And that stuck with me for several years. And I met this phase of life where I, I had a different life course. I didn't work full time when my kids were home and here I approached 40 and I went back to work. And what I have battled over the past five years that I've been back in the workforce was, did I miss out? Like, have I been left out behind? Like I spent my twenties and thirties at home with my kids. And I am so, so grateful and so thankful for that opportunity. But there comes a point where you're applying for jobs for two years and you've got this 15 year gap in your resume. And I had done a lot of writing. I had done a lot of work freelance but still, even today, five years later, I'm like, wow, I, I still feel it. Like, I don't have a long list of accomplishments or achievements. And even where I am today, I had a dream job a few years ago that I thought was going to be a dream job that turned out I, I couldn't do and be there for my family. And that felt like a failure. And I have fought that over the past few years. That battle of I was, I know I did what I needed to do in those seasons, but looking forward of what's next. I've felt like, are there any open doors for me? Because I had so much time of kind of this gap. I want to encourage you. Yes, there is. This is where I, um, I love encouraging, um, all of us in that because I felt the same way, but I'm a firm believer in two things. Number one is that God is our God and he is the one who opens our doors and is the, the counter of our days. As Psalm um, 91 says that God counts, he numbers our days. And the other part is that um, this is something I've reflected on also because I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years and then taught full-time and then have worked um, full-time at these part-time or flexible jobs the last um, several years also. But parenting, we can't diminish our parenting. And I think sometimes when we feel like we have to do it all in our 30s, our 20s, 30s, and even early 40s, or we have to, we have to do it all while our kids are at home, diminishes the most important role that we do have as moms, which is raising our kids. And, and I think my encouragement to you and to myself and to other people is that um, we like raising children is so important. And I, I think that that's that struggle is that we don't have to exclusively raise our kids. So first of all, we don't have to exclusively raise our kids and not right. do anything else. Right. Um, if you choose to do that, that, that is, that's, that's good, but that's not what it is for everybody. And yet, um, as working moms, I think that's always the tension, but just understanding that, um, raising our kids is important. And so I was, we'll maybe wrap up here just to let you know that every season has its kind of, um, ebbs and flows. And so while we may not be able to do everything we want to in our career or in ministry or in just 
what we feel our calling is while our kids are at home, when the kids do leave, there is extra energy that you have to pour into things in a different way. And I was just sharing that with you. And maybe this is just where we'll end today, but, um, I have been exhausted at my school job the last couple of weeks. And, um, just because of, um, the timing and different situations, I'm putting a lot of energy into there right now. And then coming home and still doing writing and speaking and podcasting and then parenting adult kids and kids who are in college. But I came home and I was like, how did I do this? I'm so exhausted. And you came back with to me and said, you were 10 years younger. And so, um, I think <laughs> I'm I such think a good friend. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to encourage all of our listeners that, um, embracing aging, whether it's midlife, wherever you're at in midlife and on really is about honoring the life that God has given us. And, um, we can talk in a further episode about some of those stereotypes that we bring to midlife, but I think that's part of it is just, um, finding ourselves in our own story. And Amelia, you are a great advocate for story. So why don't you just, um, maybe give us your final thoughts and then let's go into an action step we can leave our guests with. I find it important to just own your story and look for the little moments every day. And one of the things that has been so important for me in this season and kept me focused on all that God is doing in the midst of the things that are hard or heartbreaking is gratitude. And it's a habit that we've kind of established as a family. I know my daughter started a gratitude journal a couple of years ago, and I think that really kept her afloat over the past year as we've been through a pandemic and I've affirmed that in her and it's a discipline my husband has developed. And so every day I start the day in my planner with three things. And it's something that our pastor at our church has encouraged of looking for three gifts, like really recent, really current. Like what happened yesterday? Where did I see God's good gifts yesterday and owning and embracing that story? And in the midst of the discouragement, in the midst of the heartache, it, it keeps my eyes focused on the provider. And when I wrote Pray A to Z, one of the big aspects that the publisher encouraged me to put into the book were prayers of praise, because we, the book focuses on all of these really, really hard topics, all the things we're going to pray for our community and ourselves that are just so heartbreaking and hard, and it can feel so overwhelming. But when we focus on praise in the midst of it, when we recognize that he is our burden bearer, God is our comforter. He's our deliverer. He is faithful in the midst of all of these heartaches. It, it shifts my focus from the problems to the provider. And that has been so important in the midst of all the unknown, in the midst of the uncertainty that midlife can bring and the change is to focus on the provider. And that's one way I do it is a simple habit of gratitude, like listing out yesterday. I'm so grateful that there was sunshine and lots of gift from you. I'm so grateful for that conversation I had with a coworker that was so encouraging and recognizing those as not just good things that happened, but good gifts from a father who loves us dearly. That's a great place to end. And so I think our action step, it sounds like, is that we would encourage our listeners to uh, take some moments to intentionally either write down or pray in their mind, uh, however they pray, is to look at those, those gifts, those things that they can be grateful for. And one thing I would encourage you is if there's an area you're struggling with, aging, midlife, phase of life, write down two or things you're grateful for about that thing, about that phase. So when I've been in a job that I'm frustrated in or children that are frustrating me, 
I find something to be grateful for about that particular situation or relationship, because again, it shifts my focus from everything that's wrong to even the tiniest little glimpse of what is right. So that would be my encouragement, not just to gratitude, write it down, but focus on the things that are frustrating and hard and find something, ask God to open your eyes to what you can be grateful for in that. That's a great way to end for us today. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you all so much for joining us. We are delighted to spend this time with you. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, join us. And if you have questions, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at midlifemomspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your rating and review will help others discover this new podcast. And please share with your friends. We would love to meet you in our community on Instagram and Facebook at Midlife Moms Podcast.